Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. One of the greatest things that you can know is expectations from God. Uh, If you're expecting an easy life with no adventure and following Christ, um, you're you're really going in the wrong direction. God wants us to have adventurous life filled with expectations of God's work in our lives. And the greatest place that this is taken out and taken and brought about is being on mission for God. That God has called us in the purpose of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. This is Bert Harper along with Nathan Harper. And Nathan, again, we have talked many times concerning so many things about missions. We've interviewed a lot of people in their activity and what God's called them to. But if you're a follower of Christ, are you on mission for God? Absolutely. That's, you know, when if you're following Jesus, you go where he goes. And obviously he goes um, into all the earth and he's working all over the world, um, you know, in our own uh, little neighborhoods in our own little circle, um, but he also we might end up following him, you know, to the other side of the world if if that's where he's he's taking us. So yeah, fo- to follow Jesus means to to live on mission. I think I've shared this before, but I was at a Bible camp years ago, and uh, the challenge was anywhere, anytime, anything. Lord, I'm willing. And uh, honestly, that is true. Anywhere, uh, anything, anytime. And so today we want to help you to understand that your calling is where God has you right now. And uh, now, listen, he may move you somewhere else, but wherever you are, may he find us faithful. That's the whole idea of being faithful where we are. And usually, Nathan, isn't it true while he's using you somewhere, he's preparing you also? Yeah, you're never you're never done with preparation. Um, you know, you might be in the middle of of a work, you might be in the middle of a task in ministry, but the one that you're in now is still preparing you for the one in the future. You know, you're you're never it's never completed. One day it will be completed, but um, if you're breathing, then your work is not complete, and you're being prepared for the next step. Uh, but at the same time, God wants you to be fruitful and effective where you are currently. Man, I, this a personal testimony. When I was pastoring and we would have mission trips and discipleship training, uh, we would want to hear, you know, give a report. But sometimes those reports can kind of get uh, long or out of hand and everything. So what I decided to do, I said, I'm going to take the microphone and I'm going to interview that person about what they experienced and what was happening, asking questions, never dreaming that one day I'd be on a program called Exploring Missions and interviewing and talking about the different things. So God, even in that, was in preparation for something else. So Jesus left when he left, after he ascended, uh, he had some instructions for those who were followers of his that were left, 
and they were filled with expectation, and uh, they were ready to do what God said. And so, but he he sent them out. He had a purpose for them. When Jesus had spent those three years training them, the purpose he had was preparation for the time he would not be there. But praise God, he did say, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you into great things. Well, Nathan, we still have that promise that the Holy Spirit in us will guide us and lead us, don't we? Absolutely. And, you know, the the instructions were for, for the for the 12, and, and actually it ended up being 120 uh, that were uh, there in Jerusalem waiting on the gift of the Holy Spirit to be sent. But they were actively praying and and planning to to you know go about doing what Jesus left them instructions to do, uh, which is basically make disciples of all the nations. Uh, but we see this story, and that's what we want to focus on today is is a, a common passage to to many of us. Even here on this program, we talk about quite a lot. We use this passage. Um, but sometimes some some Bible passages can be so familiar that we we forget them or we forget the the real meaning and the message and the power behind it. So hopefully we can draw some of that out today. Uh, but Acts chapter one verse eight is what what we're focusing on. But I want to make a mention. Start reading in verse. Um, uh, well, really, we'll just start with verse 1 and, and, and just kind of get some context. But in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, uh, it says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given orders through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So that's kind of what we were talking about. And this is Luke writing part 2 of his, of his uh, letter, if you will, to... Yeah to this guy named Theophilus. Yeah, it's really Luke-Acts, if you really get to it. Yeah, it's like Luke part two, the book of Acts. Anyway, verse three, after he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know uh, know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we like to focus on those locations um, in in Acts 1-8. And sometimes we pay attention to the power that the Holy Spirit brings. But I I do want to call attention to, I believe, uh, when we read verse 6 and the disciples' question of, are you restoring the authority to Israel or restoring kingdom, the kingdom to Israel at this time? We tend to say, well, Jesus didn't answer their question. He just, he just gave them a better answer. I really believe he's answering the, the, he's giving the answer. He's answering their question. And the answer to the question of is, 
is Jesus restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time is, yes, it's being restored. God's kingdom is coming, but it's coming by the power of the Holy Spirit through his people, through the apostles here, and through the church that that will uh, will be birthed. It's a little different avenue, but it's still the authority is still there. Yeah. I love that phrase in verse 7, it is not for you to know. You know, there, there's just some things that we will never know and never understand. I had a conversation with somebody recently about the Trinity, and you can use every illustration in the world that man can think of, and the Trinity is still bigger than anything yeah. like that. I mean, he is God. The three-in-one is beyond anything that you could even dream of. Paul, when he was trying to describe heaven in the third third heaven, he said it was indescribable. He couldn't <laughs> find words to, to describe all the glory that is there. So there's some things it is not for us to know. Have you noticed a lot of times that's what we concentrate on, the things that we're not to know, Nathan? Yeah, we, we let the curiosity get the better of us, don't we? We are. But the things we know is what? We shall be witnesses with power. Is that... Uh, yeah. we're, we're, we're not witnesses without power, but we're witnesses with authority, with power. Yeah, authority, um, also the ability, right? Um, and that's how in, in the Matthew 28 passage, you know, you see God's presence brings his power. Um, and it's, it's ability power, but also authority power. And you see that at play here in Acts 1.8, especially when the Holy Spirit does come. He comes with power, yeah. that authority uh, from Jesus of the, the sending out into the into the world to see God's kingdom um, coming and at, and at work, uh, but also the ability and abilities that they didn't have before, right? Yeah, he, that's the reason he said, "Wait till the Holy Spirit comes right. upon you," because guess what? Your abilities are not sufficient without God's ability. In other words, we're to be available. Our our issue is availability. Yeah. That waiting, that preparation um, for whatever future task, um, and sometimes the the task that you're doing now is prayer. And, you know, prayer is the is actually the greatest missionary task. Um, and so, without that, yeah, we run ahead and we jump ahead and we get ahead of God, and uh, we're out there in our own strength and our own power, and that's not where you want to be. Okay. So, I want to kind of shape a little bit of our the rest of our conversation around the idea of uh, presented in Acts 1-8, specifically talking about the places, the strategic places that Jesus mentions. Uh, we know the Holy Spirit will come, and he does in chapter 2 when we read about uh, what happened at Pentecost, um, and the disciples, the apostles, those in, the, in that upper room receive that power, that authority, that ability to be the witnesses of Jesus that he's called them to be. But where did he call them to be? And that's kind of where we're focusing, um, the strategic strategic locations. And so he says in Jerusalem, right? And then he says in all Judea and Samaria. And it's important to know those are not, um, those are kind of connected. Judea, Samaria are connected. Judea is basically the region uh, around Jerusalem, Right. Um, and Samaria is the next region over um, that tends to be forgotten. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> and then he goes to the ends of the earth. So one quick question is there's something missing, right? When, he, when you're talking about Israel, see, that's what they were, they were talking about. Hey, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So he's talking about Israel. 
So he mentions Jerusalem, the big city, right? And then Judea, the, the region around, around Jerusalem. Samaria, those forgotten people that we like to neglect, don't forget about them. They're over there too. But he does, he, he gets to the end of the earth and he skips over Galilee. Now, real quick, why do you think he skipped Galilee when he's giving these strategic locations? Okay. Well, he had spent a lot of time there. That was his home area. And they had had a witness for him. Matter of fact, uh, Nazareth uh, in Galilee, you know, uh, he had kind of, they had rejected him and even and even in Capernaum because he said if Capernaum had had as much evidence as Sodom uh, as Sodom and Gomorrah had as much evidence as they had in Capernaum, they would not have been destroyed. They'd repented. Does that have anything to do with it? Or Yeah, I think so. Um, basically, when we're talking about Luke and Acts together, you, you read about Jesus' ministry in the book of Luke. He, where was he focused? Mostly Most of his in Galilee. Work, his yeah. Gal, he, yeah. had, he had ministry in Galilee. Yes. In fact, um, it says that every town and village in Galilee, he had already he had ministered in. He had been in. Um, there was not a village that he had neglected or skipped over in in the in the region of Galilee. And also, we'll get to this in a little bit. That's where the guys were from, right? That's that where the, that's where yeah. the disciples, most of them, yeah. were from Galilee. The only one that wasn't was Judas, and he wasn't a part of it anymore. Yeah. Judas so, Iscariot. So, I, th- I think there's, you know, it's, this isn't. It's, it is spiritual. But it's not just spiritual. There's some practical stuff going on here. There's some real tangible things that Jesus is dealing with. So he's talking about Jerusalem, the real city of Jerusalem. Yeah. He's talking about Judea and Samaria, real places with real people at that point in time in history. And then he's talking about the ends of the earth. And it's interesting when you bring up the ends of the earth. So when you say the ends of the earth in the in the uh in in that time and in, in in place in in the world, um most people had actually a spot on the map in mind when you said the ends of the earth. We take it as meaning everywhere all over the earth. Like you can't go to the end. You just keep going as far as you can go. And there's some of that there. But there are actually um, uh, two two people in the Bible um, attempted to go to the ends of the earth. The first one that we read about was a guy named Jonah. Remember, he got on a he got on a ship. In Joppa, and he w- he was supposed to go to Nineveh, right? Right. But he wanted to go where? Remember where he was trying to sail to? Where? He was trying to get to the ends of the earth. earth. <laughs> and um, and 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 then as far away as he could. Yes, that's as far okay. as the ship. Okay. That's as far as the ship would would uh, would reach, and it really is the tip of Spain, is what is right. what you could say. Uh, through the Mediterranean, before you get out into the Atlantic, uh, you get to the ends of the earth, which is the tip of Spain. Right, um, and that's where Paul, by the way, was trying to get to also in his in his missionary right. journeys. He said that. Yeah. So, anyway, you 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 look at these places, strategic places, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And what we tend to do in um, in the church these days. And it's not a bad thing. We like to develop a mission strategy, and I think it's a really good thing for a local church to have a mission strategy and to have any sort of focus and intentionality about living on mission and sending out people from the local body uh, on mission and, or in supporting financially 
and prayerfully missionaries. That's a wonderful thing. We need more of that. And that's what really this program is all about. Um, but you see a lot of these churches will have Acts 1-8 as their mission, as a model for their mission strategy. And I'm not saying it's a bad model. I think any model that's biblical is good. Um, but I think uh, today I want to share like a little twist on that. Uh, you could call this like Acts 1-8 2.0 if you want, right? <laughs> um, and I, I really believe within the context of of Acts, it's a little bit more faithful uh, way of looking at a mission strategy for a local church. But what typically is done, and you know this, right? We say, all right, for, uh, we're going to reach, we're going to reach Jerusalem, right? The church might say, okay, we're going to reach our Jerusalem. Our what Jerusalem. do they mean by that when they say they're going to reach their They're saying our city, our community, our town, our region. Yeah, right there, local to local. us. Yes. Right? And that's not a bad thing. Imagine if every local church scattered all over the world would say, we're going to reach our Jerusalem. And that's a good thing, and I think that's what we're supposed to do. I think that church is, is right on when they, when they think that way. But then they say, all right, now we're going to reach uh, Judea, our Judea. And what do they typically mean when they think of Judea? Well, they would be their state, their, uh, you know, wherever, like it, the Southern Baptist, which I'm a part of, it would be reaching your city and then the state of Mississippi, right. reach that area. Or your province. Your or, province, yeah, wherever that, it is. Yep. Yes. And again, not a bad thing. Um, and then they might, they might some, some churches skip over Samaria, <laughs> uh, but I think that's the point of Jesus mentioning Samaria so we don't skip over it. What would Samaria be then? It would be those areas that typically uh, inner city. It okay. really could be inner city because so many churches, evangelical churches, uh, to grow, they moved out in place of staying the difficult places. Yeah. The place on places. the other side of the tracks. Yeah. Uh, the people that are culturally different. Yes. From from us, if you if you have an us them kind of mentality, it's them. That's yeah. the Samaria. Some, that's where Samaria is. Um, and then, of course, the ends of the earth, we think, okay, that's international. That's overseas. That's another country, right? Um, again, that's not wrong, okay? I'm not saying that's a wrong interpretation. I do think there's a little bit better interpretation, a more faithful one. Yeah, when you've shared this before, it's really caught my attention, and I've repeated it every once in a while in a church where I'm at. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah. So I think a, a little bit better understanding, well, we'll come to it as, as we read. <clears throat> so in chapter 2, in verse 5 through 10, it says that there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Okay, there's a miracle right there. That's the power of the Holy Spirit giving them ability to uh, that they didn't have on their own. So they're speaking in all these other tongues, these other languages. As they And they were astounded and amazed, saying, look at verse 7. This is what the crowd said as they heard the gospel being proclaimed in their own languages. They said, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Uh, and code for that would be, aren't they kind of rednecks? <laughs> <laughs> they're from the northern part. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they're not that, that educated, are yeah. they? Um, they? They didn't learn all these languages all of a sudden. How, do, how are they speaking this? 
These guys are from Galilee. Verse 8, how is it that each of us can hear in our own native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea, in Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. Wow. Wouldn't you love to have been there? That had to be amazing. So here's, here's the point. You got a bunch of guys and, and fa- the rest of their you know, families and some other ladies and people, 120, and they're from Galilee. All right? They're not from Jerusalem. They're not Judeans. They're from Galilee. <clears throat> Jesus has strategically placed them in Jerusalem. Instead of sending them back home, they stayed in Jerusalem to wait on the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the power of the Holy Spirit came, they were proclaiming Jesus to Jerusalem, to those that had gathered in Jerusalem from all over the ends of the earth, right, had gathered there. And so the point is that Jesus had sent these guys into Jerusalem. It wasn't their home. It wasn't their local place. They had gone out of their own comfort zone and traveled to a, a city, what you could even call a global city, where people from all over the, the globe were represented in that population. And that's where they f- started their mission work. They didn't start it in their own backyard. They didn't start at home. They started, um, at, you know, at least in this part of the, uh, of the book of Acts, they started the Christian mission in a global city. Um, now, it was the closest one to them, right? And it was the one that they were most familiar with, but they still went to a strategic city to see the spread of the gospel take root. Wow. When I hear that, uh, my mind goes wild when a lot of folks are giving up on cities yeah, because it's so difficult, but it started here, right? It did, and cities are very strategic. And so we see, if we trace what Paul did through his missionary journeys, um, yeah, he would, he would reach small towns, but he'd focus most of his heavy ministry in large cities. Ephesus? Yep. Rome? Yeah, and even started before that, and you see in Acts, Antioch. Antioch. Yeah. And so some of the largest cities on earth um, at that time were where Paul was trying to get to or where he was. Antioch, he was in, um, like you said, Ephesus, and then Rome. Um, yeah, a good thing to say with that, Colossae. He had never been there, but he wrote the book of Colossians. Why? Because he had ministered in Ephesus for several months, even years, and probably Epaphras was uh, a follower of Christ because of Ephesus, and he goes back to Colossae and would start a church there. Yes. But he it started in that metropolitan global city of Ephesus. Yeah, and so Ephesus is a good example of what we're bringing out here. We'll look back at Ephesus maybe in just a second, but... So it starts in Jerusalem, and then it goes to Jerusalem and then Samaria. Um, and by the way, as we read, as you read through Acts, Acts one eight also serves as a um, introduction to the outline of the book of Acts. In other words, you can break up the book of Acts into three parts. You have the Jerusalem section, which is chapters one through seven. You have your Judea Samaria section which is basically 8 through 10 or so. Yeah. And then you have the ends of the earth where you see, you're introduced to the Antioch church in chapter 11 through the rest of, of the book until it gets to Rome. 
So um, Jesus gave Luke the outline of the book of Acts. Yeah. I, <laughs> he really I, I did. Think so. Amen. Um, and, you know, if you read the first verse of each of those sections, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it, it well, let me just read it for us. And, and you can kind of see what I'm talking about. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. It says, On that day a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. There it is. So there's the transition from Jerusalem to Judea Samaria. So we're leaving one strategic place and going to another strategic place. And then you see the ends of the earth kind of brought up in chapter 11. Now at the end of chapter 10, Peter's got an invitation and and he goes to visit a Gentile named Cornelius. Okay, and we've talked about this before. We don't have time now, but it's very interesting to me that where Peter was when he got this invitation to go visit this Gentile, he was in the city of Joppa. And from the household of Simon the Tanner, the the top of the the roof where Peter was when he got this vision, um, he could look out over the over the balcony and see the port of Joppa where Jonah had first got on a ship to go to the ends of the earth because he didn't want to go where God was sending him. <laughs> so Peter instead went to where God was sending him to see Cornelius and this Gentile family. And from there we get to chapter 11 where the Gentile world uh, really gets is. to hear the gospel. Um, chapter 11, verse 1, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had welcomed God's message also. So there you see a transition from Judea. Now we're getting ready to go to the ends of the earth. So what's, what's the whole point of all of this? I think that a local church um, would do well to kind of tweak their mission strategy. Uh, Acts 1-8 is a good one. And so if you have an Acts 1-8 mission strategy, uh, instead of making Jerusalem your own hometown, that's actually your Galilee. And are we supposed to reach our own hometown and our own backyard and our own Galilee? Yes, absolutely. But we don't stop there. We go on. That's almost like training preparation for what's ahead. And what's ahead is I think a local church needs to pinpoint and let the Holy Spirit guide them to a global city. And in that global city, that church will do some work, send some people, send resources, find missionaries that are already there, and pour into that that work that's going on in that global city. And from the global city, the surrounding region will then become exposed and, ex- and even saturated with the gospel. Even the forgotten corners like the Samarias, uh, other cultures will get to hear the good news of Jesus. And then that model keeps spreading all, all around to the ends of the earth. and I like, think, like a pebble in a pond? Yeah, absolutely. And it goes out. Nathan, thank you for this study. I, I'm intrigued by it, especially as you follow what all happened in the book of the book of Acts under the yep. uttermost parts. And one final thing just to make note, this is not sequential. It's simultaneous. <laughs> we reach our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth all at the same time. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is time for us to go out on mission for God. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions.